Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that answers the eternal question, how little effort can two people put into something and still get to call it a show? I'm Jeff, and as always, John is here, nearby, somewhere, waiting, watching, biding his time. This week, we finish our in-depth evaluation of a game that needs no introduction. Okay, things we have to talk about still before we can call this episode done. Uh, well, last week we did skills and character creation and a lot of those dumb insanity tables and Align- all that shit. I think we did the alignments. Yeah, so and we did some of the story, but not enough. I yeah, think we, we did we did basic character creation stuff. Yes, but we didn't even cover things like RCCs and OCCs. No, we had not gotten to the actual classes that you play as, nor the general idea of the world in which you are playing in Rifts. That's right. So why don't we go ahead and start with that? Let's begin with the story of Rifts and what it is. And by the way, this is System Mastery. We are talking about Rifts, the Palladium Games classic published in the late 80s that has existed unchanged like an RPG coelacanth. Just still out there, being nasty and greasy and deep underwater where it belongs. Man, coelacanth, nice cut. (laughs) Always trying to work weird words into conversation. (laughs) I went out of my way this morning to use shibboleth correctly. Nice. Right? (laughs) What's wrong with me? I can barely speak, but when I do... Boy, howdy, some dumb shit comes out of there. So, okay. Riffs is set in the far-off year of 109 P.A., now, that stands for post-apocalypse. Yeah, we don't get an accurate idea of what year it is really. Uh, there are some later books where some people who have sort of survived the coming of this apocalypse have kept the calendar and they have the actual year. But in the main book, it's just, oh, some rifts happened because of the nuclear exchange between some countries. Mm-hmm. And then... Like, there was a huge Dark Age period where there was a bunch of horrors coming out of rifts and everyone was dying, and then things kind of stabilized, and that's where, like, year one is. Right. Now, we could probably give the whole story set to that same cool intro music we used in the previous episode, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because it's really neat. It's like, okay, there's this weird arms race happening between the major powers of the world, except the major powers aren't what you think. I mean, America's still there, but it's also stuff like Argentina was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. So it, they started building cool robot power suits. And this is all before the apocalypse. They had built these cool glitter boys and crazy flying machines and super nukes. And, and people were developing psychic talents. And then all of a sudden the rifts crack open and monsters start pouring out. And for like 100 years or so, everything's just shit and monsters and horror. And then it all kind of calms down. And then you get the modern rift setting of, okay, some uh, human supremacists move into Chicago. And they call themselves the Coalition. Yeah, you have the Coalition states, and they are uh, basically Nazi America. They are skull fetishists. And they're like, we believe in the American way. We we want to reestablish America for Americans. Yeah, except not really, because they're, they're very, you know, they have a dictator... Uh, they, well, they they have an emperor, they but a, everyone believes in that emperor. Sure, but he also does things like enforce illiteracy. 
Well, yeah, you can't get uh, too much book learning in you, or else <laughs> maybe you'll learn about magic, and then you'll become corrupted. I see what's happening. You're going to bat for the coalition. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. <laughs> okay. Look, we're in a country that has a lot of horrors coming through. Rifts are opening up. They're sending demons. They're sending fury beetles. And some DBs, I'm sure, are good. But you don't want them in your neighborhood driving down the property values. No, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a wall around this rift. <laughs> You're going to build Chi-Town. <laughs> You're going to build a huge bubble around this city. And the Zytikiks are going to pay for it. <laughs> the Zytikiks are going to build the wall for us. <laughs> We're going to get the Zytikiks to build it out of weird bug spit. The Zytikiks, by the way, are one of the many threats that, uh, that bother North America on the regular. They are giant bug men. Yeah, now the main book makes it seem like they are going to be one of the main huge antagonists. Like, the two that you get are the coalition states, mm -hmm. so you get human supremacist Nazis, Yeah, and then you get the Zytikiks come up a ton in the main Rifts book of like, oh, they've got a weird colony, and they hate everyone, and they're weird bugmen, and they've got their own technology, which is weird, because yeah, they, they don't build... really have a way to build it. Well, they're just like Tyranids from Warhammer, that where they, they have guns and stuff, but they grow the guns. <laughs> The guns are just more bugs that happen to be gun-shaped. Yay, gun bugs. Yeah, so they're, they're very similar to the, the Tyranids of 40K, uh, except in appearance, because uh, Tyranids look like dinosaur lizard bugs, where these guys look like like that Superman villain, the Helgramite. Oh, yeah. They just look just, like bug men. Yeah, they are big old Beetlemen. Yeah. So you think they're going to be a huge deal in the core book, but then pretty much they never get mentioned again. Yeah, they get sort of ignored until... There's, I think there was, like, I don't know, World Book 26 or something World where book, they finally come back to the Zytikiks. Yeah, there's a, I think it's 22 or 23 or something like that, and it's Zytikiks Invasion. Yeah. I think. I'm not, I, God, there's so many books, it's hard to remember them all. But yeah, so the main book, you sort of assume that that's going to be a thing. There's a lot of, them. there's a lot of silly stuff in the original core book that never gets touched on again or is simply ignored and rewritten over. Oh yeah, so they, they talk about, obviously, North America and all mm -hmm. this stuff going on there but like one of the famous ones for some shit that is completely false within two books is the new german republic has a rahu man at the head yeah now to get you some oh god background on this there is a book called the conversion book for riffs it's like the second or third book that came out and it takes all the fantasy races from the their uh, other line of gaming called palladium fan fantasy and converts them into low mega damage creatures that can exist in Rift's Earth. So you can have them come over from portals to fantasy worlds and live there. A Rahuman is a giant four-armed Golden-skinned giant. Yes. Yeah, they're golden-skinned four-armed men who live in the, the high mountains. And apparently, this book was like, oh yeah, so Germany managed to get through the Rift's with a fairly decent amount of stuff intact, mm -hmm. and the head of them is a Rahu man. And then they put out the New German Republic book, and it was, oh, no, wait, they're basically just the Coalition Light. Yeah, they're Coalition, except that they have an anime fetish instead of a skull fetish. Oh, yeah. That's that's the big difference. It's just, welcome to Germany. Here's your, your obvious uh, fucking war machine vehicle that you get to ride around in. Yeah. Every one of them just kind of looks like it's from Mobile Police Pat Labor. Well, I think Palladium had the Robotech license. That's and they're the like, you know what for. we're doing? We're just going to put Robotech in Germany. We'll just put Robotech. And to make it work, because we already chose the monsters there, are fucking gargoyles. Like, literally the gargoyles that perch on the sides of buildings and so on. We're just going to give them suits of gargoyle-shaped power armor. Yay. So that it makes sense that robots are fighting other robots in Germany. Yep. 
And then, uh, <laughs> whatever. No, and then the book goes on with a bunch of stuff that's like, oh, there's a new renaissance happening in Amsterdam. And of course, you get to the Germany book, and it's like, no, all of Europe is fucked. No, yeah, Amsterdam is just wall to wall gargoyles. I guess maybe they're having a renaissance, but it'd be hard to notice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these guys are shitting on each other in a whole new way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the main book, though, gives you more stuff about uh, America. So you get the coalition states, which is. Very much the Midwest. It's like uh, Chicago is where they have Chi Town. Chi Town, which is a giant fortress city. It's an arcology. If you ever played like your Sim Cities and so on, and you finally build those dome cities, that's what that's what uh, Chi Town is, and it's their center of operations. Yeah, and then they have several other states. So they have like the coalition state of Missouri and Arkansas and so on. Mm-hmm. They have a. Uh, God, I know they have a, a chunk of Texas as well. Like, well, nor- they have North Texas. Yeah, they have Lone Star, their base in Texas. Yeah. Uh, to give you a little more clarification on how the states look, the Midwest is safer because of rising ocean levels and extreme blasting of magic energy at the coasts. California is nothing. California is just a bunch of scrubland. It was wiped clean by the rifts. Uh, the south is largely swampland now. Yeah, like Florida's mostly gone, and Louisiana is basically just all swamp. And it's all full of dinosaurs. Yep. Which is weird, because most dinosaurs weren't swamp dinosaurs, but whatever. Well, these are dinosaurs from rifts, so they come from swamp planet. Yeah, they're from a better dinosaur planet where they all live in swamps. God, when I first read that, it was like, oh man, Louisiana's completely full of dinosaurs. It's dinosaur time. And then when they finally give you the stats for dinosaurs... And they're still SDC creatures because they're just animals? Yeah. You're just like, oh. This, oh, no. I could take these guys out on accident. I could fall <laughs> down and they would die. <laughs> it's real sad. It is. you're like, man, I would have the shittiest pistol ever and it would just murder the biggest dinosaur. Yeah, that was sad. Although I think they eventually put out a book called Dinosaur Swamps of Louisiana, which I have not read. It's, it's pretty late in the Rift's history. But I bet you it makes them into mega damage super monsters and introduces a bunch of special dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, well, the ones we talked about before are regular versions. And now here's Demon Dinos. Yeah, and the Symbiadon. <laughs> <laughs> the Kevasaurus Symbiadon. Oh, good. <laughs> I had an idea for a dinosaur, he says in his foreword, where he writes five pages about how he had an idea. <laughs> Rifts. All right, we got we to gotta stick to the core book a little more here, though. So the, the other stuff you get is Tolkien... Which is a city that is mostly just wizards and psychics and not so much tech as it is all magic all the time. Yep. You get your main city that they sort of assume you're going to be based out of, which is Laszlo. Mm-hmm. Which is the city where everything is a utopia. So they've got tech, they've got magic, DBs and humans live together in harmony. And it's run by a dragon. Yay. Isn't his name also Laszlo and it's just named after him? I'm uh, right. Plato. Wrong. Plato, thank you. Yeah, it's Plato who's in charge of Laszlo. Yeah. Because Laszlo was a guy from Beyond the Supernatural. That's right. Yeah, he was the detective. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. All right, it's coming back to me now. Plato, but, by the way, I think is supposed to also be the Plato that you've heard of before. <laughs> yeah. He, like, uh, he gets into a little uh, squishy machine, and he comes out, and it's star-shaped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you make Pl- little hamburgers Plato. out of him. Plato. Like, he's actually the, the Greek philosopher or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's Plato. You he, you grow teeth on him, and then you can pull him out with a dentist set. Yeah. Also, he kind of tastes like salt. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. <laughs> Dragons just taste so salty. Oh, yeah. That's why they're so surly and just hang out by themselves in caves. Adventurers always coming in there licking them. 
So let's talk about the last chunk of character creation in, in Rifts and how it works. Because we've already done roll your stats and get some skills. But you really need to pick an OCC if you want to have some of them skills and some powers and abilities and what have you. Yeah. The book splits them up into categories, mm -hmm. which is also how you get whatever hit points you're going to have in your SDC. Uh, comes from your class, mm -hmm. which there's the Men of Arms, which is your fighter guys, the guys who are going to do a bunch of damage. Yeah, the guys who have like a little robot soup bowl right in front of their face and a big bushy, bushy mustache. Oh, yeah. 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 They're definitely hanging out with a guy in a loincloth. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you get obviously. it. You're coming together. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Now the next group is your mechanics. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> then you got your triclopses, beast mans, <laughs> uh, a blue version of He Man that spins for some reason, <laughs> battle damage Skeletors, good, etc. <laughs> so you get your men of arms. You get. Uh, adventurer mm -hmm. is the second one, which is <laughs> the, the catch-all bullshit category. <laughs> the bullshit category where it's don't be something from this. <laughs> and then you have RCCs, which include psychics. Yes, we also have the magic OCCs. Oh yeah, and then the men of magic. Yes, men of magic, which tend to blur the lines a lot. A lot of the, there's mystic, for example, is a magic psychic. Yeah. So the the men of arms starts out right out the gate with the Borg mm -hmm. and. The... One of the more iconic things of Rifts, by the way, is the face that they do for their Borgs, because their Borgs have a really well-drawn, interesting-looking skull face, like, 90% of the time. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you will immediately start to see the uh, the fact that Kevin Symbieta hates the idea of balance. Yes, no, he's as far away from it as he can get at all times. Because even within the first character class of the Borg, you have the option of being either a partial reconstruction Borg, mm -hmm. or a full reconstruction Borg. The partial reconstruction Borg is just a shittier Borg. Yes, That's it. You're just less robot -y. Yeah, it's like, oh, instead of being a full, huge, awesome robo guy, you have like, I don't know, one robot arm and some robot legs, and that's about it. Yeah, now at least the one thing you have going for you here is that it breaks away from the Heroes Unlimited system where you actually have to roll a budget, which is straight up a power meter. Oh, how yeah. much stuff can you bolt to this frame? Well, just roll how many millions of dollars you have. That's that's the only thing that matters. Of course, even then, in this book, and you'll see this a lot with a bunch of the classes, like uh, there's the Headhunter class, mm -hmm. which is basically just, I'm a guy with some cybernetics and I go out and I hunt people down. Yes. Within their equipment section is starting cybernetics, and it is like a D4 plus one. Right. So you might get five, you might get two, you can randomly roll and be shittier than another guy in the same class. It is a little weird. The whole thing with cybernetics in this game has always weirded me out. They're like, half the classes are like, we hate cybernetics. Why? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're bad. Wow, well, I like it. Because they don't seem bad. They seem pretty well integrated into the society. I mean, you got Borgs working at every avenue of life. They're doing all your mining for you. They're half your soldiers. But then you look over the doctors who would be extremely well-benefited by taking some cybernetic implants. They're like, doctors tend to eschew cybernetic implants, considering them inhuman or dangerous. No, they're, they're clearly not dangerous. They've well, been in use for hundreds of years at this point. And you're a doctor. You're someone who's like, oh, I understand how this works. Yeah. But well, uh, the weird thing about Borg as well is this introduces the idea of the slave Borg. Yeah. Ouch. And... The whole thing is they're like, oh, yeah, 
mo- mostly you'll have partial reconstruction Borgs or slave Borgs, and they won't get any weapons integrated into their system, and they won't have any enhanced senses, but they will have enhanced strength and endurance cybernetics mm-hmm. because we want them to be doing our slave labor. I don't, I don't know if you've looked at this, but cybernetics are really, really expensive. Yes. And you know what isn't is people. No, no, people are quite cheap to come by, especially if you don't value the life of the lives of DBs, because then you could just go get a million of them. Yeah, the idea that you would be like, well, I want someone to dig a tunnel for me, but I'm going to spend millions of dollars per guy to make them slightly stronger. And you're like, or just get more of them. More guys. Come on, what are you, cactus people? Get in here, dig this hole. Yeah, like there's there's no reason for there to be slave Borgs in Rifts, because... Unless it was like, oh yeah, we just found a factory that shits out reconstruction for people. Yeah. You just shove a guy in there, and he straight Superman 3's come out as a Borg. Well, that's a thing, that's a running theme throughout the history of the Rift's books, is that numbers don't ever make any sense. Like, anytime there's numbers written down, you might as well just translate it in your mind to many or a couple, and be done, and move on from there. Like, for example, when they point out that the Coalition States has 5 million suits of Samus Power Armor... Which outnumbers the amount of people in their army. Yeah, it and, is amazing. And, and if you think about it, the coalition has a couple million people. Like, the entire coalition has roughly the population of Los Angeles. Like, all of them. Yeah. And yet, they have five million suits of Samus. Now, you take that into account with, say, for example, that's just one military vehicle in the coalition. Let's let's ch- compare it to an equivalent strike fighter in the modern uh, Americas and say the, uh, the F-15 or the F-16, of which we have less than 2,000. Yes. And we're like a very well-developed military, but apparently not on their level. Five million Samuses is like all the metal in the world. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Like, the later books with the Coalition War Machine, they're like, oh, they've made new Samus, and all the old Samus models are done, which means the police have 3.2 million Samus available. You're like, really? Why? Man, at this point, you have just become a Samus-based economy. Like, you take your Samus down to the local baker, and you're like... I'd like a loaf of bread. I'll give you three Samuses. I like the idea of like an old woman ordering Jack to take the Samus to market, and he comes <laughs> back with magic beans. <laughs> uh, I told you not to sell that Samus for magic. Magic's forbidden by our te- by our culture. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately some side stalkers and some dog boys come out and murder Jack. <laughs> And then the beans fall to the ground and grow up into lumpy cactus people. (laughs) And they are immediately put to work in the mines. (laughs) Welcome to Rifts. Uh, That's a perfectly cromulent Rift story right there. (laughs) That that all made perfect sense. So the beginning of the OCCs, in addition to the Borgs, you get all the, like, coalition stuff. So you get a ton of different things. You have the Samus pilot Mm -hmm. as sort of the iconic thing. Yeah. Uh, But then you have a bunch of stuff like... I'm a coalition officer, or I'm a coalition tech. This is this is going to start a trend. Back when I quit playing Rifts, which was like in the early 2000s, I before I quit, I made a folder where I gathered up by name all the RCCs and are the all the OCCs that were available at that time, and I built a little engine you could use to roll on it because I thought that'd be kind of fun to randomly roll characters. This is when I quit, so there have been a lot of books that came out since then. But at that time, there were 440 available OCCs in the game. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, 90% of them are variations on some guy with a gun. And uh, of those, most are just variations in how much better they are than other ones. So if you start with this first book, you got like the Coalition Grunt and the Coalition Officer. What are these? They are the exact same thing. Oh, it's a guy who gets some bonuses to shoot. 
with differing skill packages, and one of them is better than the other one. Done. Yeah. It's a trend, especially in the main book and some of the other ones, where the OCCs in this, if you're not a guy who uses magic, a guy who uses psionics, or a dude who starts with a suit of power armor, Mm -hmm. then you're just the exact same as everyone else with varying degrees of what your skills are. Yeah. I mean, because there's no powers. Okay. There is an OCC of a cyberdoc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cyberdoc is the only like medical practitioner. He is a surgeon as well as a guy who can like install cybernetics. For there's you. actually two. They're right next to each other. The other one's the body fixer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But he's he's the guy who's like, "Okay, I'm I'm going to come in here and fix people up." That's mm-hmm. what I do. Great. The problem with it is there's no specific ability. It's just, oh, what do you have? Oh, I have uh, M medical doctor yeah. as a skill, and I have like MD in cybernetics as a skill. Okay, if I'm playing any other thing, and it says like for my OCC related skills under medical, I can pick any. I could technically just get medical doctor. And then be that. Yeah. The only difference is in the, in the initial bonus you get at the start of the game, and and that's it. Now, granted, they did kind of fix that a little bit when they went to the Rift's Ultimate Edition. Because in Rift's Ultimate Edition, almost every class has some kind of almost a skill. It's like a unique ability that, that's specific to that class, and it works just like skills. You get a percentage and a bonus per level, that, and they're all pretty unique. So the, I, I think the Cyberdoc does indeed get a special Chop Shop ability, which is... Uh, like fast cybernetics or something. The the reason I know this is because one of the running jokes of the core book, of the original core book, was a class that got nothing. They were called the Vagabond, and it was what you played if you wanted to play as a hobo. Yeah, the Vagabond specifically is mentioned that, oh, not everyone on an adventure is going to be a hero. Sometimes you're just swept up in the adventure. You go, okay, so that means like, even if you're not just a hobo, you might be like, oh, I'm a housewife. Yeah. Like, I don't you're, have anything. You're, swe- you're Bilbo Baggins. Oh, yeah. That's what you are. You get swept up in the greatest adventure, and, and uh, you go off and have and immediately die because you don't have MDC armor. Yeah. Yeah. And it is insane. I even looked at it, and so the better version of the Vagabond is the City Rat. Yes. And the City Rat is just, oh, I'm a Vagabond, but I actually have, like, Maybe some armor and some weapons. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, I'm just like a gang member, essentially. Right. Well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because in the Ultimate Edition, they added a special ability to Vagabonds and Vagabonds alone, which is sizing people up. You can look people up and down and kind of go, is this guy going to kill me? Roll this thing. Find out if he's going to just obviously kill you or not. So you get, you get that <laughs> as your rips. power. The answer is yes. Probably. He's probably going to kill you because you picked the worst class in the game. Yeah. Also, your chance of figuring out whether or not he's going to kill you is surprisingly low. It's like 34%. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I looked at some of the, because the adventure ones like the Vagabond or the City Rat. Rogue or... Scholar, which I've got to be honest, the Rogue Scholar and the Rogue Scientist are some of my favorite ideas in Rifts. Yeah, and it's, the... it's one of those things where I looked at it today. And went, all right, normally when you have this split between I'm a guy who's a badass in combat and I'm a guy who's a badass at skills, Mm -hmm. uh, what you get is the guy who's a badass at skills usually has just way more options, a ton more stuff they can do. Big bonuses to the skills, skills that unlock abilities that only work if you're from those skill-based classes. Oh, yeah. I So the city rat. The city rat total with his OCC skills 
his related skills, his secondary skills, all that, gets a total of 32 skills total. Mm -hmm. The uh, Cyber Knight, a guy who gets cyber armor and can manifest a psychic sword and has psychic powers, has psychic powers and all that, gets 35. Yeah. No, they just they just didn't really care. They, they, the balance is not there. No, there is nothing. So let's run through these classes real quick. In the man-at-arms category, and this is from memory, so if we forget some, uh, screw you. So, okay, here we go. So there's all those coalition. There's the Borg. Borg, the headhunter. And we got to talk about the more interesting ones that we haven't even mentioned yet. So let's start with one of the most iconic of all Rift's classes, the Juicer. The Juicer is... Steroid man as a character class. Yeah, you wear Darth Vader's chest box thing, and it pumps drugs into your system, and you turn into a super crazy, fast-running killer man who will die in six years. Yeah, you randomly roll for how you, long you will live because this is Rifts, and you need to randomly roll for everything. You gotta know, even though, are you gonna play a six-year campaign and then burn out and die? Is that what's going to happen? No, but whatever. You have the roll for that tells you when. Yeah. That's good. It's good to know. So that's a famous one, and they get some special weapons and armor, and and are heavily featured in a lot of the art. They're they're an interesting class. They mostly have like weird hair that's super. They have guile upright. hair. Oh yeah, yeah. They have Street Fighter Two guile hair, and they dress like road warriors. Yes. There you go. So they're road warrior guiles with jugs running through their system all the time. <laughs> the next one is the crazy, and the crazy has little uh, metal bits popping out of their heads because they got the MOM conversion, or Mind Over Matter. Yeah, the mom box, which is a bunch yeah. of little silent batteries sticking out of their heads. And so they have a few nicknames. They're known as Crazies. They're also known as Mama's Boys mm -hmm. because of the MOM conversion. Yep. Uh, and what they get is sort of a lesser physical capability than the Juicer. So mm -hmm. they're not as strong or as agile. But they get ridiculously enhanced senses yep. and some psychic powers. Yes, and they also have to roll constantly. Like, every time they gain levels, they also gain more insanities. So they yeah, get, Starting they, at level two, you get, like, a phobia, and then going on from there, you just keep rolling different things. Yeah, you get more and more insane as you go along. Uh, so basically, in terms of appearance, the, if the first group was road warriors, these guys are war boys. They're, they are bald with stupid crap sticking out of their heads. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, let's see, moving on from there. The Glitter Boy. Ah, yes. The Glitter Boy. The Glitter Boy. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> the most powerful robot armor that's a personal armor you can get. Mm -hmm. And it is laser resistant. Because mm -hmm. it's so glittery. It's mostly mirrors. Yeah. And has a the very famous boom gun. Yeah. And the reason it's a boom gun is it fires some, uh, some flechette rounds. At Mach 2. Yeah, fear the terrifying power of a railgun that shoots at Mach 2. My god, Mach 2. That, <laughs> the speed that bullets usually go. I will shoot you with all the power of a bullet. So, that's a famous thing. This is the class you take if you like to see your numbers be really big, because you're riding an armor suit that has 800 MDC for the main body, and has a gun that shoots for 3d6 times 10 MDC. Yep. Those are the famous numbers that everyone remembers. And boy, howdy, does that thing just wreck everyone's stuff. Yeah, and of course, because that thing is a giant robot death machine, the DM is encouraged through sidebars all the time to get the player to get out of the Glitter Boy so you can steal it or something. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, you better, I don't know, ambush him while he's asleep and not in his power armor. Yeah, because the power armor is too powerful, so maybe you shouldn't have given it to him in the first place. This thing will remain the most powerful suit of armor you can take in this game for like 18 books. Yeah. Like, even the uh, the NGR book comes out, and they're like, they have their own version of the Glitter Boy. They're worse. Yeah, and then Coalition War came, campaign came out with a, a 
suit of power armor called the Glitter Boy Killer, and it's worse and is easily killed by Glitter Boys. Oh, yeah. The whole point is like, oh, it's got these super huge vibro blades, so it doesn't need to worry about lasers. You're like, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, gosh, you built a sword guy to fight this gun guy. Did it, does it do anything at range? No? Oh, well, screw it. My gun shoots at three miles, so have fun running over here. Yeah. Can you run at Mach 2, the terrifying <laughs> speed of my bullets? That's another ta- example right there of the weird thing about riffs and numbers, where it's like this thing uses incredibly advanced rail technology to accelerate these bullets to near light speed. Mach 2! Ugh. Yay. <laughs> Like one quarter the speed that we have jets that can fly at. Well, yeah. rockets that can used right. to be able to fly at. We haven't built an X-15 in decades. Anyway, from the uh, from the Glitter Boy, we get the lesser power armor pilot who can just get a suit of power armor that isn't a Glitter Boy, and so he is the grunt to the officer that that represents the Glitter Boy. We have uh, the Cyber Knight. Cyber Knight. Which is also one of the iconic ones. It is the Paladin of Rifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a coat of, arm- <laughs> of honor that twice mentions being nice to ladies yep that's one of my favorite things in there is that it's it's got these two lines that are like oh remember that women are the fairer sex and you have to do what they say unless it's stupid yeah that's like hey always respect and protect women the women need your help they're totally weak and you should get next to them and help them up hey if you see a woman who's not in the kitchen help her to find one Ah, Cyber Knights. And they get to manifest a Psy Sword for free. Although their Psy Sword is garbage compared to the one that can be manifested by the actual Psychic class that gets them in the first place. Yeah. It has very little MD damage, and you end up using other weapons instead. Source, me, because all I used to play was Cyber Knights. Yeah. It's... There's a lot of things where they're like, oh, the... A lot of people that have a damage ability mm-hmm. will be like, oh, it does like 1d6 MD. And you're like, I don't care. I'll just use a gun that does 3d6. Yeah. Thank you very much for the offer, but no, I will pass. Yeah. And they have cyber armor that's permanently grafted into them, but has none of the annoying penalties associated with being a Borg because they are the paladins of this game. Yep. All right. So is that all the man-at-arms? If we're missing one, I don't care. Yeah, that's basically it for the man-at-arms. All right. And the, then we, uh, we talked about the skill classes a little, but let's list through them anyway. Oh, yeah. So you get your rogue scholar and your rogue scientist, which are just the same thing, but the rogue scientist has some science skills and the scholar just has more lore skills. Those represent the fact that the coalition has outlawed learning uh, or literacy. So these people are outlaws because they are smart. Yep. Now they, you, they have books, and so that's terrifying. You also have two doctors, the body fixer and the cyber doc. One focuses on regular medicine, the other one on cybernetics. And then you have the operator, which is the class that builds and operates power armor suits. It's one of my favorites because you just get a fucking loaded Batman-style garage when you start a game as an operator. You get two vehicles, a suit of power armor, and a small robot. Yeah, you are, if you're the mechanic in this game, it's... Not because you wanted to be a guy that fixes things, it's because your starting equipment is rad as hell. Yep, and then you also have the couple of classes that are fringe elements, the city rat, the uh, wilderness survivalist, or whatever he's called. Yeah, the wilderness scout, which is just a guy who has some wilderness skills and nothing else. Yeah, now keep in mind, if you're ever flipping through the ultimate edition of this game and you see the picture of the wilderness scout which is like a rad, futuristic, post-apocalypse green arrow with a cool cyber bow holding a plasma arrow. Don't get excited. None of that shit is in the class or the book. Oh, yeah. No, that does not exist at all. No. And then, finally, the Vagabond. Now let's jump over to the uh, the Men of Magic. So, your magic practitioners, the most iconic one is the Leyline Walker, who walks ley lines and 
has a gas mask on at all times for no reason. Yeah, and he says a lot of kicks because he's Leyline Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, good. Uh, I got there. You did it. I did it. No, okay. Leyline Walkers, Leylines, by the way, are one of the after effects of the post-apocalypse or the apocalypse occurring. They are the big magic energy lines that run all over the earth and wherever they intersect is a nexus. And we used to know about those in ancient times, which is why we built like pyramids and shit all over the old nexuses. Now there's these big rivers of blue super magic that just course across the earth. And most people avoid them because monsters hang around them. But leyline walkers love that shit because leylines, along with nexuses and solstices and eclipses and all kinds of shit, boosts your magic power. Yeah. So the leyline walker is your standard wizard magic practitioner. Uh, he gets a suite of starting spells and also some abilities that uh, have to do with ley lines themselves. Yeah, so they he can, can float down them. Yeah, he can levitate down a ley line. He can regenerate faster if he's on a ley line. He can send a message down a ley line. Yeah, he can send out an SOS. Yeah, to the world. To the world, yeah. He's sending out an SOS. To the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're pretty neat. They the, the gas masks make them pretty iconic. They've been on the cover of the Rift's book a bunch of times. Yeah, so the thing to note with magic is you get some spells, but for almost all of the magic practitioners, the way you get new spells is you just buy them or get taught them. Mm -hmm. And there are levels of spells, and they go 1 to 15, just like the levels of characters go 1 to 15. Mm -hmm. But you can be a level 1 character and know a level 15 spell, it doesn't matter. You probably can't cast it. You won't have the potential psychic energy or PPE to do so. However... You can always get extra PPE if you are willing to kill stuff. Because when you kill things, it bursts the, the uh, ambient energy around them bursts into an amount of PPE equal to double the amount they had in life, which you can then harvest through rituals and use to power super spells. Yeah, so if you're a huge villain and you want to do your crazy level 15 ritual, you can just get a ton of people together, murder all of them, and then take all of their energy. Yeah, and if you want to counter that as a crazy good guy then what you can do is just uh, have everyone hold hands and voluntarily donate their PPE, which is much less efficient because it doesn't double the amount of PPE you receive. Basically, you can have the Earth do that thing where everyone gives Goku their energy and he fires a spirit bomb. So that's also a way to get PPE. Also, animals can be sacrificed for PPE. Yeah, they don't have as much as humans, but you can still do it. Yeah, so there you go. That's, that's how magic works. The next magic class is the Shifter. And that's the wizard that focuses on dimensional shenanigans. And is terrible. Oh, yeah. Because his whole deal is opening rifts and summoning demons and doing all that. But all of these spells are ridiculously high level. Yeah. Which means, A, you just can't cast them unless you're doing crazy rituals like we said before. And, B, when the giant demon walks out of the rift you opened, you're going to be like, oh, sweet, I'm going to try and control this guy. Uh, no. He resists and murders you. Yeah. The other thing that makes them terrible is that everything they have is just a collection of the spells that are published in the regular book, which means you can be a leyline walker who just learns all the shifter spells. Yeah. And then you still have all those cool leyline walker abilities, so just not a well-designed class. The one thing the shifter can do, though, is make a pact with an alien intelligence and get a whole bunch of extra PPE, and uh, they get, like, more SDC and a oh. bunch of new spells and stuff like that. Yeah. Whoop-de-doo. But, uh, One of the big problems in early rifts is that magic is so much worse than just guns that getting a bunch of extra spells is never a very good idea. There's only a couple spells that matter. Oh, yeah. There's in the spell list, there are a few that you're like, oh, my God, those are amazing. And then the rest are like, oh, what is this? It's a level 11 spell. And it's 
summon and control rodents. Yeah. Oh, good. Shoot Firebolt. It does 1d6 MD to a range of 50 feet. And you're like, uh, can I just buy a laser rifle and shoot 3d6 to a range of a mile and a half? Yes? Oh, okay, well. And, and wait, you tell me it doesn't cost PPE to do that? Yes? Great. Oh, well, fuck being a wizard. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah. The, the next one after that is the Mystic. And the Mystic is splitting the difference between a wizard and a psychic. He has both magic and psionics, but is awful because, unlike every other spellcaster, he can't just learn new spells. He gets them when he levels up. Mm -hmm. And because even the main book was like, oh, we had a guy doing a two-year campaign and they barely hit level seven, it means you are never going to get new stuff. Right. And then, finally, the probably the coolest caster in this game... Uh, although it's the most nebulous in terms of how you're actually supposed to do what makes them so interesting, the Techno Wizard. Yeah, the Techno Wizard is the combo of magic and technology, and what they do is they create items that use spells. Mm -hmm. So that Firebolt spell, you would instead create a gun that shoots a Firebolt. Yeah, and you charge its clip with PPE. Yeah. You can build little gliders that use the, the Levitate spell to fly around. They all dress like World War One pilots because they have a weird fetish for that. Yeah, I don't know why, but that's what they do. And the weird thing about them as well is they almost have to use the technology items, the TW items. Yes. Because any spell that they cast that isn't channeled through one of these items is at half strength. Yes. So it does half damage, half duration, half the range, everything else is halved. Because they're just crap unless they're using it through an item. Now, the thing that makes them so great is that as books have come out, almost every Rifts book ever has some more new Techno Wizard items in it. So you've always been able to just gather up new cool Techno items and run around with co covered in flaming swords and super armor and shit that is all powered by PPE. Yeah. They are, as much as the Leyline Walker is the actual iconic class of the Wizards, the Techno Wizard has always been my favorite. It's just so interesting. Well, the the combination of technology and magic and being like, oh, man, there's this cool spell, and how can I use it to do whatever? So you can be like, oh, there's the spell of invisibility, and I'm going to use it on my armor so that I'm going to get, like, cool stealth armor. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they're they're really neat. The, the uh, funny thing to me about them, and again, I always love talking about riffs and numbers, is that one of the things on the list you can do if you're playing a Techno Wizard is buy old-timey World War II airplanes to convert into Techno Wizard stuff. And they're like, yeah, these things are only like 5,000 credits. It's a great deal. Get yourself an old P-51 Mustang, and there's so many Techno Wizards that use those. And I'm like, guys, there are 35 of those that exist in the world right now. Yeah. Like, oh, there's more than that. I mean, I'm thinking of P-38s, but, but there's, there's more P-51s, but whatever. There's not that many. And not that many of those are going to survive the fucking apocalypse. Well, you don't know. I'm sure. I guess I don't know. Also, I guess a rift to World War II could open up and they could just go get some airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> get back there. Stop Vandal Savage. Get some get some World War II airplanes <laughs> and some war wheels. Uh, excellent. Very good. Yeah. So I just I just love the number thing in this. Yeah. So, so that, the last thing is the RCCs. We got. Oh, I guess you're going to. Yeah. You're right. The psychics are RCCs. Yeah. yeah. In the, so. Yeah. RCCs are what you are instead of what you do. However, that's kind of stupid because like, Borg is an OCC, and I'm like, really? Can I just stop being a cyborg? Well, the thing, this game doesn't have multi-classing, so no, no one can stop being what they are. Uh, but what it means is that you can play as, like, for example, an elf who's a cyborg. Because certain RCCs aren't enough in terms of... The, the way that they try to divide it up is if your race is so focused on one thing... 
Like, for example, a dragon. A dragon can't train to be a cyber knight because it's too busy being a dragon. It's already loaded up with its own brain, its own way of thinking, its own dragony powers and magic and psychic and so on. It can't abandon all that shit and just stop doing it so it can go be a, a, a uh, rogue scholar. So that's an RCC that is a class. Meanwhile, dwarf, which is a thing you can play in this game from the conversion book, it's an RCC, but it's an RCC that can pick an OCC because it can't spend its whole life just being, oh, I'm a dwarf. I do dwarf stuff, and I'm really good at I'm, I'm getting better at dwarfing every day in every way. <laughs> and they, I mean, the main book has that for, oh, these are the RCCs, and if you're an RCC, that's just because it's what you focused on is, like, who you are is just this thing. Mm-hmm. But they almost immediately drop that because anytime they introduce a new race and they're like, oh, yeah, what's this? Oh, it's some weird DB, and he's an RCC. Also, you can just take his stats and be something else. And you're like, oh, so what you're telling me is I can be one of these rad OCCs, but with better stats. It's it's a weirdly nebulous, and it's one of the things that feels like the first book dropped the ball. Because you're right, Mind Melter, for example, is an RCC. And Mind Melter is just powerful psychic. Anyone can be an R- a Mind Melter as long as their race has psychic aptitude. So you can be an RCC that chooses to be another RCC, but only with the core book. Uh, after the core book, they seem to have fixed that that nonsense. Yeah. So let's go through them real quick. So you have your dragon. You get to be a hatchling dragon. That's correct. There are like seven kinds. And since we read two different books, John read the original riffs and I read the ultimate edition. I can tell you that the ultimate edition tried to come up with a whole new suite of dragons so that they didn't just look like D&D dragons. No, but the main one are the four uh, like main dragons, which are just a fire dragon. A Great Horned Dragon. Which I really want to talk about. The Great Horned Dragon, which is just the better version of all the other dragons. Yeah, it's just, hey, here's all these dragons you can play, or you could pick the good one. No judgment. Yeah. Oh, you think it's good? At, you think the Fire Dragon is good at breathing fire? No, the Great Horned Dragon is good at breathing fire. The Fire Dragon sucks at breathing fire. Yeah, the, the fire, there's the Fire Dragon, and an Ice Dragon, and a Lightning Dragon, and then the Great Horned Dragon. Which is the best dragon, and the one you pick. Because... What, all of them have, like, their breath weapon, mm-hmm. and the Great Horned Dragon just has basically the same sort of damage as the Fire Dragon, who normally has the best breath weapon. But the Great Horned Dragon also gets better magic ability and better psychic ability, and they're just stronger and tougher and better. Yeah, and there was a question that came up between these two episodes of people asking if, if it really is that dragons just get better stats in every role than humans. And I went through my Ultimate Edition copy of the book, and yes... The worst stat that any of them roll is the, in that one anyway, the bl- serpenty bladey tail dragon. They all have dumb names in the Ultimate Edition. They're all things like the cat's eye and the frilled wingy ding and so on. Ah, oh, yes, the wing dings dragon. Yeah, so the one of them rolls a physical beauty roll of only 2d6 oh. plus 12. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> so it's still better than humans. So yes, every one of their rolls is better than humans. Most of them get a d4 times 100 MDC. And the baseline, they also all get shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. So they can all basically look human if they want to, or turn into animals or whatnot, and they all pretty much get the ability to cast spells, and uh, some of them get psychic powers and so on. All of them get psychic powers. Most of them are just minor psychics. Eh. Yeah. The but- the big thing with this, though, is because they can all shape-shift, it means they can be human-looking. And that means... You can be a dragon that then gets into a suit of power armor and fucks people up with that. The way that fixes that is that you get a grand, like a starting dragon has like six skills, as compared to most of the human races, which have somewhere in the thirty to forty range. But it's, I mean, it's supposed to fix that. But really, since the skills are so boring, it doesn't. 
Uh, one of my favorite things in the Ultimate Edition is it's like, yeah, to play a dragon, you know, you spend most of your time just being a weird animal that runs around and doesn't like humans or other dragons very much. But you eventually will pick out some skills. So take two skills plus two secondary skills. Also, any dragon can use any weapon. And I'm like, wait, wait, hang on, book. Are you saying that any dragon can learn to use any weapon but still has to buy the weapon proficiency skills? Or are you just saying that all dragons have all of them? Yeah. Because it's it kind of matters. It is sort of important. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big problem you find in the Rifts books is this weird nebulous description style. Oh, uh, yeah. This CD player might play CDs. Don't worry about it. Good. Ask your DM. <laughs> Ask your DM if it's right for you. You're going to have one D4 days worth of rations. Why Why do I have a D4s? Why don't I have a set number? What, could you put two there and be fine and, and save some book space? Oh my god, the Hatchling Dragon has a random roll table for how long it's been since you hatched. Yep. Which includes the option of six D6 hours. Yeah. And you're like, really? Yeah, because you know, there's a huge difference between waking up six hours and 12 hours ago. And the, the weird thing is... It does nothing. Like, if you get with the high-end range where it's like, oh, yeah, you've been awake for however many, like, weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, but did that change my skill package or anything that I know? Oh, no. No, it's just in case you were curious. Just, you know, we wanted to add another chart because this is Rifts and we didn't have enough yet. <laughs> yep. So, dragons are ultra-powerful in every single respect and will quickly unbalance a game, and it recommends only one person in the party get to play one. Yep, and in my very first game ever, we definitely had one. Oh, you always do. Every Rifts party has one guy playing a dragon, and was it a great horned? Of course it was. Of course it was. It was a great horned dragon, but he spent most of his time as a cat. Yeah, now keep in mind that in the Ultimate Edition, they will have switched that name, and the great horned is now called the Ro Royal Frilled Dragon, but don't be fooled, it's the same fucking dragon. The same dragon that has better stats and is better at everything. The only thing is it doesn't have fire breath anymore. Now it has a poison cloud breath, oh, which is better boy. than the poison dragon's breath. Lol. So, hooray. Yeah. So, that moves us on to psionics. Now, this game has four types of core psionics. You've got uh, sensitive, healing, and physical, and those are the ones that most psychics get. And by the way, if you're a human, when you start rolling your character, you rolled a 25% chance to see if you're a psychic. Yeah. Every human has a 25% chance of having a couple of these powers. And those three categories are your minor psychic powers. Now, the fourth one is your super psionics. And only one class gets access to that, at least in the main book. There, there are two ways to get it in the main book. Three if you're counting the Psy Sword, because the Cyber Knight gets the Psy Sword. The other ways to get it are the Royal Frilled Dragon has access to uh, to Yeah, but that's super. in the Dumb Bullshit Ultimate Edition, and we're not doing Oh, that. we're not counting that? Fine. Well, by the way, the Dumb Bullshit Ultimate Edition also has a Men of Magic class we completely skipped over called the Elemental Fusionist. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. We're doing Classic Rifts. Oh, I really want to talk about the Elemental Fusionist. It's a class based on a video game that was only on the end gauge. I mean, come on. That is so in our wheelhouse. <laughs> No, next time. We'll do that as another edition of Rifts. I'm going to make one for my bonus character. Okay. There it is. All right, you hear that, everybody. Support us on Patreon. You'll get to learn all about the elemental fusionist, like you give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so your psychic characters, you get uh, your burster, which is your pyrokinetic, and he just has a bunch of fire-related powers, mm -hmm. and this is, again, one of those situations where it's like, oh, man, if he... Spends, like, four ISP for his power. 
He can shoot a firebolt that does 1d6 mega damage. They are greatly feared because of their ability to inflict mega damage. The Coalition hates them, even though that would basically slightly damage the paint on a suit of Coalition armor. Oh, yeah. And their most damaging thing is, okay, they can do a fire eruption. And if they put, like, I don't know. Me too, if I've been to Chipotle. Yeah. Whoa. The, uh, they have to double the amount of ISP that goes into it to turn it mega damage, and then pump, like, 20 in there, and then they can do a huge bonfire that does 6d6 mega damage. Yeah. Wow, that's actually good. Now, remind me, do they get access to the super psionic power of pyrokinesis? Uh, they kind of get their own version of it. Okay, fair enough. But the, the thing with the giant eruption is, you cannot do it on a person. You can just make an eruption of fire near someone, and it is a skill you have to roll. You get a percent chance that wherever you wanted to make an eruption of fire, you will do so, and if you screw it up, then it appears 2d6 yards away. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Deviation tables in a game that has no examples of movement or grid systems or anything like that. And... This is, like, one of the only things you get as a burster is the ability to create fire. And they're like, yeah, but that's a little too good. You can make a fire happen. Uh, I got the impression that Symbiata must be straight up afraid of fire. Because <laughs> because the burster is terrible. All of their abilities are imbalanced and stupid and don't make any sense and cost too much and have chances to fail. But then when you look at the super, uh, super pyrokinesis, which is one of the supersonic powers, it has the ability to fling boiling water all over. No, it's the hydrokinesis has yeah. this. The ability to fling boiling water with a sidebar that says, even though you can straight up light people on fire in this game, there's nothing more evil than throwing hot water on people, and only evil characters would ever do this. Yeah. And then that's never mentioned for any other ability again. Like, this blows people's heads up. Good guys do this all the time. <laughs> but they don't throw boiling water. Ugh, it's so dumb. And, like, the the burster gets the ability of, like, oh, you can sense fire in 800 yards. Hey, me too. There's some fire. Hey, great. We Yeah. So, I don't know. The, the burster's deeply underwhelming, but don't let yourself be fooled into thinking that that doesn't mean that, that the first homebrew class that every single person when they're playing this game builds is the cold or lightning versions of the burster. Which, eventually, the zapper came out in Psyscape. Yeah, and as so an did, actual thing. And, and so it, did a cold one. And it was just better. Yeah, yeah the, I forget what they called the cold one, but the, the Psyscape book had a zapper, a, a, an upgraded version of the burster, a cooler, which is the, psych- the, the freezy one, and then a ghost, which was built to go through walls. Yeah, you had so, the Psy Ghost. Yeah, the Psy Ghost. Uh, so anyway, just, just know that in Federation World Book 13 Psyscape, you can find a whole bunch more psychic classes, which are... Wait, am I just sounding like Symbiata now? Yeah. Because that's his books are completely full of references to his other books. Yes. So the other things you can be, uh, you can be the Psy Stalker. Yeah, the Psy Stalker, which is even more looking like a war boy. Yeah, they're just hairless, white, like actual chalk white skin with weird dark circles around their They've eyes. Got, they usually get juggalo tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're pasty, skinny, energy-sucking juggalos. Yeah, they... Uh, they live off of PPE. They are energy vampires, mm-hmm. so they'll go up to... They they love to, like, hunt magic users because they have the most PPE. I'm also an, an, an energy vampire, John. I'm not, I'm not a sanguinary vampire, but an energy vampire. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I'm an introvert, so I think everyone is an energy vampire. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, two types of insufferable people. Da 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 da. Uh, so they are usually employed by the coalition to hunt down magic users because they can sense large amounts of PPE Mm -hmm. and they love it because they get to kill mages and then get all of that energy to feed off of. Right. And they will starve to death if they don't get some, they they can't eat anything but psychic energy. Yeah. Uh, they are described, however, as human mutants, which means you have to be a human to be this RCC. You can't be a dwarf psy stalker, which is sad. There are two varieties of them. They come in in uh, military and wild. Yeah, you can either be one employed by the coalition to hunt down mages, or just some mutant out in the wilderness that I don't know murders things and sucks the energy out of them. Now you get to my favorite psychic class in this game next, which is the dog boy. Dog boy, which is a mutant dog that also psychically tracks things as well as using its powerful sense of smell to track. Yes, and they are primarily built and maintained by the coalition. Uh, they are very doggy in that they like live in like dog packs, and they they always like to obey a human master, and they can smell psychic energy. And you get to uh, get to roll a, fun, a bunch of fun tables when you're making. Oh one. yeah, like, you get to roll randomly for what breed of dog yeah, you are, like and then it Lake gives Count you Terrier. all of these weird like bonuses and penalties depending on what you picked. Yeah, and then you also get a, a mutation quirk, which is things like oh, I have two tails, or oh, I uh, I'm slightly smaller or larger than any other dog boy. Which is very Hexent Draconis, and it's awesome. Well, yeah, they, and again, that is mostly in the Ultimate Edition, because the regular mutation table is just, you're slightly bigger, you're slightly smaller, your uh, psychic powers are better, your psychic powers are worse. Well, there's one where, I think the original book had this as well, where you're a weird mutant, and instead of having all these sensitive psychic powers that lets you, like, smell energy and so on, you get all the physical psychic powers, so you're the one dog that's got, like, telekinesis. Yeah. So, they're fun. They're an interesting class. They have an interesting setup and story within the game world. Yeah, they are just super neat and one of the cool things that you can find in the game. Yeah, and then that leads us to the... Mind Melter. Exactly, the the, the great horned dragon of psychics. The, the Xavier of psychics. The only one who gets to pick super psionic powers. A couple other people get handed one of them, like... The Psy Sword is a super psychic power, and the uh, Cyber Knight gets it. Of course, the Burster is going to have Pyrokinesis. Yeah, and I believe the Operator, of all things, can occasionally trade in some of their elective skills in exchange to get the Telemechanics super psionic power. Uh, I think there was actually a class in a later book that had that. It was the Teleoperator. I, I think it might be a uh, Ultimate Edition changeover. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, I can't find my original copy of this. I'm sure it's in my garage, so I've just been reading the Ultimate Edition. Yeah. Which is fun. It's fun to look at the comparisons and contrasts anyway. Yeah, so the, uh, the Mind Melter has very little skills because all of it went into developing their psychic powers and they get a ton of the baseline ones, so you get all of your minor psychic powers, as well as picking some of the super psychic ones. Yeah, a better version of the Sword, the ability to cruelly fling boiling water at people, <laughs> bio-manipulation. There's a whole bunch of fun super psychic powers that only this class gets. And uh, they're one of my favorite examples of changing art between the two books. Because in the Ultimate Edition, it's basically the bad guy from the first Crow movie. Like, you know, black trench coat, long, sleek hair... Just making a dude light himself on fire. Oh, yeah. And, I love that art, yeah. by the way. And then in the first one, it's leader. It's straight up Professor X. Well, it's, I, Really? Because I always thought he had the big swollen head. No, he's just got power lines uh, okay. coming out of his dome. He okay. looks like Professor X just going, from the X-Men cartoon going... Yeah. Yeah, so, but he looks all messed up. 
Yeah. Like, this is not a good thing to be. You shouldn't be this psychic. But the Mind Melter gets all that, and the super psychic powers, there are some that are just way better than other ones. Oh, for real. There's some that are just do nothing. Oh, yeah. Because you'll get some, and it's like, oh, yeah, this'll do, like, four hit points of damage. You're like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Most most of the things I will face do not even have hit points, because MDC creatures don't have them. Yeah, but you can get things like super telekinesis, where you can actually, like, huck things at super speed and actually do damage with it. By the way, one of my favorite weird things about the Psystalker, at least in the Ultimate Edition, is that they are an SDC creature, but if they are on a ley line or if they are currently fighting an MDC monster of magic energy, they become MDC creatures for oh. the duration of that fight. And it's not really well known. Most Psystalkers don't know that. Uh, because they all wear MDC armor anyway, because they're not stupid. And uh, the Coalition knows, but they're keeping it a secret. Because they don't want them to rise up. Or I don't know how they'd rise up exactly, because it only works when they fight on Nexuses and so on. Oh yeah, and the Coalition specifically builds their cities as far away from that shit as they can. Yeah, so anyway, it's just funny that the Coalition figured it out and is keeping it a big secret for no good reason. Yay. So there you go. I think that's the core block of classes in this game. Yep, that's everything you can be in the main book. Yeah. And then the book will go on to have just the lists of psychic powers, the list of spells, which we mentioned there are a few that you absolutely want to get, and most are garbage. Yeah, the well, ones you absolutely need to get are impervious to energy. Which, which is amazing. It's like a level four spell, but it just says, oh yeah, all energy. Energy doesn't hurt you. And you're like, really? So lasers and all of the ion blasters and all that shit? Nothing. Does nothing to me. Yeah, well, granted, it's one of those things where you don't want that spell to exist in its written state, because you're going to have some nerd come along and go, look, the damage from a bullet hitting you is energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is kinetic energy that's getting you, and then and then hydrostatic shock goes through you, and that's what does all the damage, and that's another form of energy. Just, so it really should be impervious to lasers move along. Well, yeah, but the I mean, it gives the description of, like, this is what impervious to energy will make you impervious to. Yeah. But it's still one of the most amazing abilities you're going to get. And then some of the spells that are the best spell in every game. Flight, uh, invisibility. invisibility yeah, yeah, Carpet of Adhesion, surprisingly good in this game. Yeah, it's a spell that creates a small area that if someone goes into it, it immediately makes them stick to it. Yeah. And you just can't get out of it until the spell is done. And it's amazing because you're like, oh, what is that? Some giant robot? Carpet of Adhesion, lol. Yeah. How fast is it going right now? How 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 much would it hurt if it was going zero instead? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, this guy's now stuck to the carpet of adhesion. I push him over. His ankles break. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Uh, so yeah, and then you get all the equipment, which Mon is just oh, tons and tons of guns and the shenanigans. So for some reason, every wrist book always has this section that's pictures of guns, and every gun is just a samey variation on a tube with a, with a stick coming out of one end of it. It's it's a world where everyone runs around shooting lasers at each other out of super soakers. Yep, that is what all of them look like. Yeah. It is amazing. <laughs> and the the GM section in the back has like half a page of, Hey, GM, welcome to Running Rifts. You should probably do some stuff. Anyway, here's more stats for monsters. Yeah, and the monsters in the core book are pretty fun. You got the Fury Beetle, which is supposed to be a mount that you can get, and it's a giant... It looks like a roly-poly. It doesn't look like a beetle, because it's got hundreds of legs. Yeah, it's a big pill bug yeah. that has spikes on it. Roly-poly must be a regional term. Well, yeah, it's potato bug, roly-poly, or pill bug. Right. Uh, does anyone call them what they actually are, which is isopods? Do you think anyone says that? No. 
I'm pretty sure no little child on a playground poking at a bug to make it roll up into a ball is going, ooh, look at the isopod. <laughs> we should start spreading that around. Also, if any of them are, they are immediately getting dirt kicked in their face and called nerd. I but like... don't worry, they'll come back stronger as a hero of the beach. I feel like there was a time in my life where roly-polies were way more important than they are now. Like, when you're five, that's, like, the most important fucking thing in the world is this bug that you can force to roll into a ball. Oh, yeah, it's rad. You'd find one of those on a playground and be like, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. It's my lucky day. Oh, I am rolling you down a hill, good sir. <laughs> I'm going to hold you in my hand till you think you're safe. <laughs> now, I'm like, who gives a fuck about a pill bug? There it is. Moving on. Yay. But, man, when you're a kid, that is, like, the most, that's almost as important as, like, getting a fucking otter pop when you're five. <laughs> uh all right, so the monsters also include the Simvan, which is a race of DBs that like to ride around on various types of dinosaurs. They, they just they're they're the monster riders. Yep. That's their whole thing, the Simvan monster rider. Yep. And they have weird racial abilities to tame monsters. And then they get a monster to tame, which is called the Ostrosaur. <laughs> uh and then there's a few other cool monsters back there, which the, I'm not The rad thing though is it of course, because this is a palladium joint. Gives you a giant table of create your own monster. That's right. And also it has a little table for rolling your own DB characteristics. Yep. So it's like, oh, what type of monster is it? How big is it? What's its personality? Where did it grow up? What does it think about the new coalition states? What is its opinion on psychology? <laughs> like, great. Thanks. I When I first played Rifts in my first session, I got in a fight. I was playing as a Titan Cyber Knight, and I got in a fight with seven, because we randomly rolled for how many of them are. There were Dibix, yep. which were these demons in the Coalition, or not Coalition, in the Conversion book, which had two really big arms and two really little arms. Yeah, they're Jewish demons. And, and I know now that they are Jewish folklore ghosts. They're not demons. Well. They're, they're ghosts, because the one play where they matter, the Dibic, it's a possessing spirit. It's basically the Jewish exorcist monster. Yeah. So... Ever since then, every time I've, I've gone to see the Dybbuk or I've read stuff about it, and I'm like, my first thought is I hear the word Dybbuk, and I'm like, oh, it's a big slavering orange demon with four arms. Yeah, okay, that makes, wait, wait, it's, it's inhabiting some girl's head? That's what? weird. That's, why would it do that? Oh, to teach a lesson about jealousy? Huh. Huh. Oh, okay. So that kind of ruined that, that Jewish folk story for oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are probably at the end of discussing the Rift's core book. Yeah, that is... Basically it for the Rift's main book. There are so many other books. Like, you can't even discuss the main book without discussing some of the other ones. Well, we, did, we failed to do that yeah. entirely. I think we went about three minutes before we were talking about the NGR. Yeah. So, that's and that's specific to us as well. We've, we've spent so much of our lives reading every goddamn Rift's book. Oh, but it's, it's amazing because just the things that get mentioned in the main book that are either dropped entirely, mm -hmm. completely wrong, or... Just very weird and never mentioned again. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff in this main book where you can tell they had not hashed out a plan for what everything was going to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because every time a world book comes out and it's in one of the spots that the main book told you about, it is either nothing like what it says or it is barely like what well, it says. Well, you can tell whether or not it's going to be like what the core book said because if it says... There's a human, a human supremacist civilization there that's super isolationist and has ties to the coalition. Then, yeah, that will have been kept because <laughs> that's how every world book goes. Like even Rifts Under Seas, which is like not even about an island or anything, introduces the concept of a giant floating or aircraft carrier 
that is inhabited entirely by racist humans. Yay. They have some fish people who live with them, but no other cool aliens. And they have ties to the Coalition. Of course but they do. every book does that. Triax and the NGR has ties to the Coalition. South America has a, whole, a big new city with ties to the Coalition. So that's a thing. Yeah, they, they ended up making uh, one of the big complaints that you get is they made the post-apocalypse sort of stable. And moot. Like, they give... Mach 4 fighter jets to the co- to the coalition. Okay, well that means that there's nothing they don't know about now because they have nuclear powered never running out of fuel super jets. They know what everything is. They could just go up to 50,000 feet and fucking stay there. Yeah, the uh the book tries to make it be like, "Oh yeah, there's all this crazy shit in the wilderness and everyone's hard scrabbling for life." But then you look at a city like Laszlo and it's like, "Oh, there's skyscrapers everywhere and a huge bustling metropolis and They've got all of this, uh, like, industry going on. You're like, oh, then who cares? Like, the future is you can either go live in one of these cities that is way better than current life or sit in the wilderness and wait for something to show up and eat you. Right. Well, the jet thing has always ruined riffs for me. As soon as Coalition had jets, I was like, well, and not just jets, but nuclear energy jets where it's like, What's the operational flight service time of one of these jets? Oh, 20 years. It can stay in the air for 20 years. <laughs> oh, so, but but you still are saying that there are mysterious horizons that are as yet unexplored? Yeah, tons of them. Just right over the next ridge. No one's been there. Yeah, they have. They've been there because they have jets that can fly forever. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where they talk about, oh, there's no radio communication because... There's killer satellites in space that will shoot down anything that go up there. But then, of course, you get the stats for the killer satellites, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, you could immediately fuck one of them up. They're just rinky-dink. And you get those in mutants in, TMNT4 Mutants in Orbit, which is a combination Rift slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles source book. <laughs> and it is dumb. It's pretty great. It has stats for playing as mutant bugs, and it also has four new kinds of Glitter Boy. Ugh. Including, I, mean, I, th- I believe that's the one with the Glitter Girl. Oh, the glitter girl. <laughs> the glitter girl. <laughs> Trying to use the wrong bathroom. <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. So, John, what would you say? Let's let's mix this up, because we already did a favorite and least favorite on Riffs. I'm going to open it up to you to the entire history of Riffs Earth. Every book. And I want you to tell me what the best OCC or RCC is. Okay. Best OCC or RCC, I'm going to go with... I really like the Mind Bleeder. Rifts Africa, gotcha. Yeah. So, weird psychic class, which was sort of the first time we got a psychic that could rival the Mind Melter. Mm-hmm. But he was the Mind Bleeder. And instead of melting minds, he bleeds them. Yeah, and he has big pulsy veins on his forehead. Yeah, and it's just, you're obviously a psychic because you just look like a dude with a huge head with veins coming out of it. Yeah. And... His powers were way more about, like, oh, I get in there and just mess up your brain. Because most of the really good Mind Melter powers were, like, the bio-manipulation and possession and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So this was a class that had all those super psychic powers, but it was mostly based on, like, oh, I can make you, like, do what I want, or I can make your brain start melting out your nose, and I can do all these crazy shenanigans. But anytime he does it, like... He starts bleeding out of his ears and nose and stuff, and it's just a weird version of a class that already existed, and I loved that. Fair enough. Also, I loved the weird uh, stand-in for the Predator for an RCC. 
Oh, yeah, the, uh, God, what are those called? It was like a giant panther man, but the whole backstory was, oh, they come from a dimension where all they do is hunt, they consider humans to be the most dangerous prey, and they show up here, and they've got invisibility tech and lasers, and you're like, you made the predator, I think but then you made it a cat man. There's like three of those, because you're probably thinking of were-panthers, which that sounds right for. No, no, the it was an actual DB. Okay, instead of a were animal. There's also the Shrin cannibal, which is a three-armed predator. Nope. Straight up looks like a predator. And then there's the As... No, not the African. Those are good guys. I think it was from uh, England, actually. Okay. Oh, I think I might know what you're thinking of. Okay, yeah. It was right yeah. before the Dimensional Raider, which, which is Which, by the way, awesome. was going to be my least favorite when we get to that. <laughs> so don't don't take it, because the, okay. the Dimensional Warrior is one of my least favorite things that exists. All right. All right, so I'm going to say that my favorite is the variants on the Techno Wizard that they introduced in uh, Rift's Vampire Kingdoms. The book that tells you all about how Mexico, got, apparently because the book came out in the early 90s, someone had just seen, uh, what's that movie? Dust uh, Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn, thank you. For some reason, I had Dusk of the Dead in my head. I was yeah, like, well, that's Dusk the, of the Dead. Dusk of the Dead doesn't sound right. It sounds like it's going to exist at some point. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a movie that should be around. Right? It's gonna. George Romero isn't dead yet, is he? <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. Come on, George. Get Dusk of the Dead made. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. Let's do this. We'll help you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he wants our help on that. <laughs> I'm willing to play a vampire that dies immediately. Good. I am willing to have you die immediately. <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, there is a Techno Wizard variant in that book that is all about killing vampires. And let's talk briefly about Rift's vampires to explain this. Rift's vampires are described as being very powerful. They are natural mega damage creatures, and they have the whole, if they bite another creature, it also becomes a vampire with like a tears of vampire system. It's all very fun. The, the thing about Rift's vampires that's funny, though, is Everything you've ever heard of that damages vampires damages Rift vampires. Everything. And it's a lot. Oh, yeah. It's it's the sunlight. It's beheading. It's fire. Uh, wood. Silver wood. Water. And running water, specifically. Well, yeah, but squirt guns count. Yeah, because it's moving. <laughs> yeah. So so you can build gun. You can just shoot them with squirt guns and do 2d6 damage off their MDC-style hit points that they have. However, they are also a creature that unless you straight up, like burn their body entirely and get rid of everything they will regenerate from anything fast too oh yeah but it's the, like in two rounds they'll go from dead to back to full health yeah but what I, the tk wizard of mexico was like oh i built fucking wood super fast wood crossbows and giant super soakers and guns that shoot sunlight oh my god and there's one that's basically like a shower that you wear that just yeah. constantly has water streaming down around you, and it's like a force field against vampires. Yeah, I just want my last... I want to play that Rift's Vampire Kingdoms, and I want my last-ditch defense to be one of those 80s-style squirt guns that you strap to your head was voice-activated. Uh, Remember those? You just go, ah, and it goes, and shoots water like that. Man, that sound of a small, shitty electric water gun is a very important sound to me as a kid. Because <laughs> now it's all super soakers. Yeah. And they all just sound like a small hose. But when you were a little kid, you probably had that too. The one that looks like a pistol. puts You have to put two double A's in it. And it goes, zzz, 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 and shoots little squirts of shitty water. No, nah, man. I just had uh, analog. Oh, you only said that the little push button? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squirt guns were a thing in my family. Everyone had like seven. All right. We got them. That was what we got for Easter every year was a basket of squirt guns. <laughs> and we were told to stay outside with them for the rest of summer. Good. Yeah. We weren't a very religious family, but Easter was super important. All right. So, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that'd be my favorite. What would you say is your least favorite? OCC or RCC or both 
Oh, I guess if we're going to do both, I, I have to say what my favorite RCC is. Uh, the Chiang Ku Tattoo Dragons. Damn it, I was going to take that. For your worst? For my worst. Wow, well, go ahead. We could just be completely different from yeah, each other. okay, there you go. RCC worst. John, go. It's that dragon. It's yeah? the straight-up Chinese dragon. The Chinese dragon that does tattoos, which have since been co-opted by Atlantis. Yeah. Oh, it's I, I don't know why I hate that so much, but I was just like, oh, I don't like this. Fair enough. What's your least favorite OCC of all? Least favorite OCC of all is going to be the Cosmo Knight. <laughs> God, from, uh, goddamn, what's that Rift's, uh... It's the Rift's, Rift's it's uh, Phase World. Phase World, thank you, yeah. I had Anvil Galaxy stuck in my head, which is one of the supplements to Phase World. Yeah, so the Cosmo Knight is very famous for being the dumb bullshit overpowered in a world full of overpowered things. Mm -hmm. He has just thousands of MD. He can punch you for, like, a hundred uh md at a time he just has supersonic flight and he can survive in space and he's resistant to all damage and it's just the i'm a crazy super awesome badass and nothing is balanced against it like he can go fight a giant spaceship by himself if he wants to yep and is built to do so yep yeah uh, let's see. My least favorite OCC is, I already mentioned this, it's going to be from Rifts England. It will be the Temporal Warrior. And okay, the reason, but why? Because I love the Temporal Warrior. I love everything about them, with one exception. Okay. They start at level 1d4 plus 1 because they've been messing with time, so you're playing as a higher level version of them from the future. I know, it's so good. That's how you start with them. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in the game. Oh. I mean, granted, being level 5 instead of level 1 in this game is useless bullshit, but that is so stupid. Oh, it's so good. I love everything about it. And I even worse than that, the Temporal Wizard starts even higher level because yep. the whole point is there are Temporal Raiders, which is an RCC, mm -hmm. and you've been training with them. And so if you're a Temporal Wizard, you've been training with them for so long that you're like level 7 now. Right. Okay, let's see. I gotta think of a worst RCC as well. Uh, I am going to go with the hundred-handed ones. <laughs> from, okay. From Rift's Pantheons of the Megaverse. And for the same reason you chose the OCC Cosmo Knight as your least favorite. Yep. So hundred-handed ones are the mythical gods of... I want to say... the Titans. The Titans, yes. Now, they have 3d6 times 100,000 MDC. Yep. Now, that is clearly unfair, because your average character has no MDC... Or has maybe around 100 or so. Or if they're a Glitter Boy, they're in a suit that has 800. Now, these guys have 3d6 times 100,000. I'm Please. sorry, 3d6 times... Yeah, it's 3d6 times 20,000 to start. However, it says if you would like to play as one as a player character, we can work that out for you if, the if your uh, player drinks a potion that cuts their MDC by half. Oh, boy. In half. In half. So their maximum is only 90,000 MDC. <laughs> that's that seems uh, reasonable to me yeah good what the fuck was that and they have so many they have like eight melee attacks per round to start before they take all their skills and so on yeah because they're the hundred-handed ones although they they've got eight arms they only got eight arms ones. yeah well they got eight arms but a hundred hands most of the hands are just like i don't know in their butt crack they're in bags whole bunch of spare hands yeah <laughs> just their so, back is full of hands there's your favorite and least favorite things and john i gotta ask you once again would you play rifts I would play Rifts every day forever. <laughs> I don't care that it's an awful system with no balance and everything stupid. I am, <laughs> at my heart, a 12-year-old child, and I want to take my robot and my dinosaur and smash them together and see who wins. Fair enough. So, Jeff, will you play Rifts right now with me? 
Uh, well, I, I actually have something I have to go do, but yes, I'm giving up on it. Okay, great. Uh, instead of going to the beach today, as was my plan, I'm going to play Rest with you right now. Yeah. We're going to make some characters. You know what? Well, I already said I'm going to make a fucking elemental fusionist, which means I'm making a core book character, but I'm going to open it up for you, John. If you want to make whatever the fuck you want, well, you'd have to dig up some Riffs books, so never mind. Whatever. <laughs> we'll just make characters, and we'll see you guys for the bonus content, which, by the way, if you support us on Patreon in any way, shape, or form... Uh, as long as that way, shape, or form is some kind of money. As long as that's dollars. As long we as do it's... not accept bits of string anymore. <laughs> we turned. We no longer accept dead cats. There, no more are we going to take your loose buttons. And you know what? We said we would be okay with nudes, but it turned out it was all clown nudes. <laughs> and we do not want clown nudes. Nope, neither of us wants any clown nudes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't handle it. He <laughs> <laughs> can't handle clown nudes, everybody. <laughs> You can't do so. It's just money. If you support us on the Patreon with any kind of money, then you get access to the the uh, bonus episodes. We put them out every time we put out a system mastery. What those are is us making characters in the game we just reviewed, and we have to be pretty deep this time because we already made some Rifts characters. Yeah, but there's so much to do in Rifts. Don't worry, that well goes down a long way. Yeah. So, otherwise. Please support us on Patreon. Please follow us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you do that, please rate or review us on iTunes, or do both. Yeah, on, on only I- review us, but do not rate do us. Do not give us a rating. I think you actually have to give yeah. a rating to do the review. Uh, we really like the iTunes ratings because each one of them pushes us out to more people, and that's awesome to, uh, for us. We, want, we really want to have way more listeners coming to us from weird sources with, like, iTunes is just strangers. Yeah, we want weird strangers to show up and be like, what is this all about? Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> Perfect. I don't like that at all. That sounds lovely. Uh, So by all means, uh, support us by rating and reviewing there. Otherwise, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, or Twitter. Send us your questions to go into the Afterthought episodes. Send us your movie recommendations. Head to our website and vote on the In Theaters Now page for what movie we should have to go watch in theaters. I believe Warcraft is currently leading the pack. Oh, good. I was well. I was hoping for either Warcraft or Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I know you were probably hoping for X Men Apocalypse so that you could just t- kill two birds with one movie ticket because <laughs> you're seeing that anyway. Uh, I don't want to, but man, I'm probably going to end up. Yep. So anyway, those are all the different ways that you can help us out. So, oh, thanks so much. We'll see you in a little bit for an afterthought episode in a week, and have a good week. Until then. Yeah.